me your ears. <laughs> this nation will rise up. Welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast. Welcome back to the Elemental Health Podcast. My name's Nick Quinton. I finally managed to uh, untangle my microphone and uh, and get myself in some sort of ship shape to, to record this intro. Uh, thank you very much for diving back in. Um, we've got an, an, an excellent episode for you. And I'm really excited, as I am with all my guests, to bring uh, bring this guy in and and chat through some incredibly to- important topics and and get his perspective. Um, like everything I'm trying to do with uh, this project, it's about cutting through the noise. It's about um, distilling down the information and the knowledge and and drawing out those bits of wisdom that will allow you to go out and take action in the right direction and and move you closer to amazing health and and living it living a a stronger, healthier, happy life. Um, Perry Nicholson is my guest today, and um, he's uh, an really an incredible guy. He's got a chiropractic background and has now created this brand, this this uh, uh, complete solution, which he calls Stop Chasing Pain. And he is a, a really, really driven individual um, that is uh, just trying to help people overcome some some pretty serious conditions and, and serious issues um, and he has some incredible insight into uh, information and, and wisdom that can help pretty much everyone and we, we dive into all sorts of, of different components and, and really the simple fundamental things as well um, on, on how we should be living to to move away from a painful situation or pain within our body and, and how that manifests and also what that means as well so really interesting conversation if you've ever had pain in your life now i'm i'm 40 now and, and i know i've had a few um serious issues i don't think there's anyone i've bumped into on this planet who hasn't been some through some sort of painful episode so i know you're going to get loads and loads of value out of this episode let's dive straight in with perry nicholson from stop chasing pain dr perry nicholson welcome to the elemental health podcast it's great to have you on i'm I'm truly excited about having a conversation with you this morning your time it's afternoon over here but yeah i'm really intrigued to dive into the details and and uh give the audience kind of a a perspective of what's uh what you've been looking at for many 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 years now and um try and understand um what's uh what what really works and what doesn't and and your view of the world well thank you very much for having me on the show i'm really thankful cool um i the audience has heard a little bit about who you are and and the, you know the accolades that you've got to your name and all the different things that have been, <laughs> been doing in the last 26 years or whatever you've been in this game for a long time um yeah but um i i want to just start with a, a very quick snapshot of um uh, what's been going on the last couple of years and, and the direction you're taking your practice and, and, and all the, the components of, of, of your uh, professional life at the moment. Sure. Great. Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've been in the game of life for about 52 years, you know, as a human being, which we all are right. Whenever I teach, I put up there like my credentials, which, you know, I never <clears throat> really like to talk about, but uh, I say my first credential is a full-time human. Right. And then I think that's what we all share together. And one thing I try to tell people is whatever type of therapy you're doing, you always have to remember there's a human being attached to the piece of meat that you're trying to work on. Uh, And, you know, I've been a practicing chiropractor in that game or the healthcare game, you might say, for 
25, 26 years. So I started originally as a chiropractor. I even though I actually don't do too much of that, I've expanded out quite a bit over the years to do many, many different things. But chiropractic allows me to play at the deep end of the pool, you might say, to explore out. And uh, <clears throat> over the last several years, I've gotten more into, um, that's what I best say it, because I've always looked at the body kind of as a, as a unit together. But I never really looked at how all the different systems of the body work together. I was still focused in on the train, the one that I had training at, like the nervous system or the musculoskeletal system. But I didn't really look at all the other systems that you have, like your cardiovascular, your lymphatic, your emotional, stuff like that. Uh, until I got sick, like I, about four, four years ago, I think, maybe even tapping into five. I got all of a sudden, quote unquote, like an autoimmune disease, which is the name they give you when they really don't know what the hell you got or why you got it. Or <clears throat> they tell you the glorious explanation of all of a sudden your body just decides to start turning on you. And uh, I got really sick through the traditional approach that we do uh, for a chronic disease or autoimmune disease, which oddly enough, it's the same approach we often do for traumatic medicine. <clears throat> Works great for traumatic and acute care, but really sucks for chronic care, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I got way worse going down that, that rabbit hole. And I had to take back control of, of my own health by looking outside the typical pathway that people take. And over the years, I've learned a ton. I was able to bring myself back from the abyss, I like to call it, and learned a lot along the way. And I think the biggest lesson for me was wow, I can't believe how many people actually suffer like this. Because I was when I was in that world, then all of a sudden I just started seeing everybody who was having all of these issues, some worse than me, some better than me, but having some type of issue. And I'm like, you know what? It's very common for people to have all these issues, but it's not normal. Like, why are we just accepting that this stuff is the way it is? And that you've got to look for some miracle one thing that you can take that's going to fix you, which doesn't. It doesn't exist, by the way. And that my journey began there. Honestly, I, I'm very thankful that I got sick. I really am because it taught me a way to look at the body a different way, look at myself a different way, look at the world a different way. And I was never able to go back to how I was originally looking at the body, right? But you can't unsee something, you know what I'm saying? And then I just started to see it everywhere. And I said, you know, I've got to try to get this out as best I can to help other people that are suffering because I'm in healthcare and I was lost and, and I was suffering. And I said, I can only imagine how someone who is quote unquote, a non-healthcare professional or what they call a lay person in medicine, which I hate, they've got to be completely lost or overwhelmed and looking for answers. And so I just said, you know what? I'm going to start to put this stuff out there. I'm going to do it my own style, which is based on my own history and my own personality. And that's what I did. <laughs> and I'm still doing it. Mm. Still learning, always learning. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's in interesting. Um, and that, that's been a progression over the whole of your career, but or, or galvanized over the last four years. 
Yeah, I mean, I got I got into healthcare because I really wanted to, to make a difference in the lives of people, and I became a chiropractor because it actually helped me get over a prior injury, right? And so I'm always learning and looking for ways to improve myself professionally with my craft, but also, you know, improve the lives of other people so they don't have to needlessly suffer. But what can happen is that when you get into like one road, you, you can stay on that road sometimes and you put blinders on and you see things a certain way. And they call that specialization in medicine today. Like, you know, I'm the guy who, I'm the heart guy. Like I'm the gastrointestinal guy, right? I'm the urogenital guy. And then what happens is that you just focus in on that one system and you become an expert in that, which is awesome. But what you soon realize is that when you specialize, you know more and more about less and less because you're just zeroing in on something and all of a sudden everything looks like that. And then in medicine, with acute care, it works great. Like, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, dude, your arm's hanging off. I got to put that back on and then I got to do specializations here. <clears throat> but when you get in chronic disease and lifestyle disease, there's so many systems, so many factors, so many things that contribute to it that build up over the years, if not decades, even from before you were born in utero that contribute to how you are now that we don't look at. And the difference, here's the thing. All the systems in your body always, always, always talk to each other, right? None of them ever works alone. Your body doesn't even know what a system is. It doesn't know that there's a nervous system or a lymphatic system. We named that. Your body is just like, dude, man, I'm just one thing. I'm all together intertwined like a bowl, uh, like a ball of yarn, right? It can't separate it. But here's the interesting thing. In modern healthcare today, systems don't talk to each other. Like this guy doesn't talk to that guy, or what is even more mind-blowing is they don't realize that the lymph guy, the lymph stuff will affect the heart stuff, and that this person's system is probably what made that system become a problem later. And then you just look at the end result, you don't look at the building process as to the why now we're all about chasing these downstream end result issues thinking that that's going to solve the puzzle because you can take care of what happened at the end um, and that's great for traumatic onset like if you fall on your knee and you hit your knee a equals b right but if you have a insidious they call it slow onset uh, pain that like all of a sudden out of nowhere you're just walking and then your knee hurts, no trauma, no foul. Well, you can't treat that knee the same way you did a traumatic knee because something happened long ago that contributed to that. And then it's probably not even your damn knee. It's somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. In that case, it's your ankle or your hip. <clears throat> but we need to do that with other systems of the body as well because um, it's usually the system that, <clears throat> pardon me, is not the painful one that's the biggest underlying issue that you found. That's what stop chasing pain means. My business is stop chasing pain. And I put that together because we should treat pain. Absolutely. But you know, if you shouldn't just chase it, if it keeps coming back, then that's the body. First of all, not punishing you, not trying to make your life miserable because you're a bad person or you did something bad. 
it's always trying to protect you. It's a communication signal. It's a protection signal. And my number one definition of pain is this. Pain is a request for change. And the beautiful thing about that is the word request. Mm. Your body asks you really nicely in the beginning. And then when you don't listen, it starts to scream louder. And it hurts you longer and deeper. And then a request from what? A request from your body is what it is. And what is it requesting you to do? It's requesting you to change something, typically a lifestyle, a behavior, an environment, an external environment or an internal environment. It could be something just as simple as your thought process because they see that pain is in the brain. Pain is based on perception and your environment that you're in. So sometimes you can even change the way you look at pain or how your body, how your brain interprets the word pain when somebody says it to you it makes a difference on whether something hurts more or less because pain is context driven. That means it changes based on the circumstances that you're in or the environment that you're in. So you can really influence pain in so many different ways. That's why it's a deep rabbit hole <laughs> to go into, right? Mm. But we have to go, we got to go down the hole like Alice in Wonderland, right? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so many aspects of what you're talking about are akin to, to, to uh, your journeys are akin to similar pattern to mine, actually, um, in terms of um, going into clinical practice um, as, as a paramedic in London and then kind of going down a role, like going down a road that, to, to advanced practitioner and, and, and moving, I guess, in, it's slightly different over where you guys are, but um, close to getting closer to I think what you to what we call GPs or family physicians in terms of right. how you practice um, mm -hmm. with prescribing and, and I, I sort of went down that road and and very quickly right. understood that that it wasn't for me and, and and you know as soon as we start segregate things out as soon as we become prescribers of of of, of drugs for symptoms then it moves away from from the, the very very reason that i started and it sounds like you as well in terms of trying to help people because um if you're not taking a, a sort of holistic approach it just doesn't make it didn't make any sense to me and and i had a sort of uh, uh, road to damascus moment and had to back out of, of that journey um through through the healthcare uh, career structure and and just you know it just didn't make sense to me and i, I it just I had so many problems of that and I'm backed all the way out. And, and that's why I've, I've dived headlong into this project and into coaching and then to get people um, much earlier on and trying to help them uh, with their lifestyle changes to, to make the right decisions and make the right decisions that, and take ownership as well. Cause I think it's a big, big, big factor. Um, but, but what you're saying, yeah, I agree. Yeah. What you're saying at the end, there's really interesting about um, the, the, how to manage pain and pain management, because <clears throat> you know as a clinician we we, we do a lot of pain management and sometimes it, it's 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 very straightforward and linear um certainly in acute scenarios where you know someone mm -hmm. has been involved in an accident and and broken their leg or or, or whatever and and you know uh, immediate pain relief can be very effective and then um you have someone with much more chronic symptoms chronic pain and you're trying to to work out on the scale of, of where they are and, and how to treat that effectively, um, <clears throat> whether they stay at home or go in, in, into hospital or whatever. And it, it's very difficult. And it's also very difficult to know what's going to work. Um, and in those chronic uh, scenarios, often, even the, the most advanced, I mean, even if I, if I dole out some morphine, um, there's no guarantees that it's going to have an impact um, and, and I'm, I'm sure you, you've got a much better understanding than I have as, as to what, what's going on um, with the body and the mind as to why that's not being effective. 
Yeah, I think the key is that it's, um, is that we mix the worlds together, right? I mean, we certainly don't want people to suffer. So if you're in pain, uh, having pain medication or uh, antibiotics or drugs to make your life a little less miserable is a good thing, as long as you combine it with some proactive steps outside of that, right? Like, like kind of what you said before about, you know, you taking charge of that at the same time. Too, too much, we, we sit back and we're passive observers of our own health and we're looking for this one fix to take care of everything, this one pill to do it. <clears throat> because the medications are necessary a lot of times, right? But you can see also how that can spiral out of control. One, um, at least in the U.S., I'm not sure about there. It might be worldwide, but you got a big opioid epidemic where people just take multiple forms of things and then they get hooked on it because mm -hmm. that's just kind of the culture of today. And it's accepted. You know, you even see commercials about it all the time. Take this and then you're, you're good. And, uh, but if you can mix those two worlds together, because I think the idea behind most medications is to eventually not to have to need them or is take as little as you need to. Sometimes you have to. Like for me, I had thyroid cancer about 15 years ago and they had to remove my thyroid gland and a significant amount of lymph nodes in my neck. So I have to take uh, a thyroid hormone or I'll be dead, mm -hmm. right? So case in point. But what's interesting is the amount of medication that I have to take changes on the lifestyle that my body lives. So I've had to take my dosages up or down. When I was really inflamed and I had my, a lot of inflammation in my body called systemic inflammation from my autoimmune disease, well, then my body wasn't able to absorb nutrients well or absorb medications at optimum either because it was just overloaded. So the same amount of medication that I was on wasn't having the same effect because it couldn't actually get to the tissues. And then, so I needed to actually take a little bit more. And then when I ended up changing some lifestyle habits with some basic and fundamentals, but it could be different for everybody based on your own history and your own road. And it took me about three years to get it completely under control where my inflammatory markers went way down and my systemic inflammation is no longer there. I had to take my thyroid medication down about 75 micrograms, which is a lot for the thyroid, because I was able to absorb nutrients better. Um, but it also, for, for my body, it was able to function at a higher level, and, and I was able to get my liver under control, where most people who ha have an underlying liver issue that they're not uh, uh, aware of. And then the liver does all the detoxifications for the medications that you take. And if your liver is getting hammered, then you're not going to detox well. You're not going to um, absorb things as well. So it's a case in point where no system in your body ever works alone. They all have to communicate and work together. And unfortunately, I think in healthcare today, we just chase these uh, individual systems and we often blame the systems when something is not working right. Meanwhile, the system is like, dude, I'm really not doing this to make your life miserable and punish you. I'm actually trying to protect you and help you. You just got to listen a little bit closer to what I'm trying to tell you. Because uh, I'm just doing my job. I'm watching your back, trying to hug you a little bit and protect you. I will grant you that sometimes my hugs are a little bit too tight and a little bit too <laughs> creepily long. 
but there's still a hug, right? And that kind of traces back to how you even think of the word pain, like we said before, or the, the view of what your body is trying to do can make a huge difference on whether you're getting better or worse based on how you're viewing your, your own body in and of itself, your body awareness, and then even the culture that you're in or the society that you're in or what other people tell you your pain means, which is a big, big thing, right? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of stuff going on in relationship to chronic pain that I think medicine is slowly beginning to come around to you because when you're in medicine, they talk about a BPS model, the biopsychosocial model of pain. That means that biologically, there could be some issues in there. Psychologically, which is the emotional, mental aspect, which is nice to see them grasping on. And then the social aspect of it, from your social interaction with another person to yourself, of whether you feel alone or not, because it's been proven through research that when you are alone or feel alone, you struggle to heal, as opposed to when you are in a very supportive community or loving environment. And then that's kind of primal for us to, of our need to connect with another human being. And when you feel some sense of isolation, you physically get sicker. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. 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 Um, so there's so you're a font of information and, and uh, knowledge and wisdom. And, and I, 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 we jumped around a little bit, but I want to try and kind of bring it down a level um, and be a little bit more specific with, with, with some of the components that I want to, to pick out of, of this conversation. Um, sure. So I think it, it's easy for us to, to, to kind of sit here and, and kind of hypothesize about um, uh, you know, direction of travel and, and bits and pieces and, and, you know, take that, that clinical standpoint, expert view, whatever it might be. Um, but, but a lot of the guys that I sort of interact with and, and come into contact with um, are kind of at what I call level zero and moving mm -hmm. them to level one is, 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 you know, the first and probably biggest, hardest step to make um, to get them on their journey to, to health. Um, so what's well, someone comes to you, um, you know they're not, they're not really um not really healthy as such um wh where's your kind of uh first port of call what, what do you want to know what aspects of um are the health are you interested in and um what are you targeting first well most people don't find me until you're in really bad shape honestly you don't right. come to me first yeah you don't even come to me when you first get a pain Right. You come to see me when you've been through a lot of things that were supposed to help you and didn't, or they helped for a little while, but they kept coming back. Or then people are like, I really don't see anything that we can find of why you are hurting where you are. That's usually when you find my stuff and see me. Um, so my people that find me are pretty bad off with uh, chronic pain of all different types. You know, usually musculoskeletal, but also life, uh, chronic lifestyle diseases like autoimmune disease and stuff like that, from chronic fatigue to fibromyalgia to, I mean, you name it. They're, they're all the same damn thing. They're all from inflammation, but um, then they'll find me. And so what I usually do at that point is <clears throat> I don't treat the diagnosis which is really important for people to understand because the diagnosis really doesn't tell me anything. It's just a name that they're giving to your particular type of symptoms. 
And the symptoms all come from the same thing, but there's an underlying bit. Uh, this is for chronic stuff, not acute. Mm-hmm. Um, a chronic systemic inflammation in the body. This developed over the course of your entire lifetime, and that's really important for people to understand lifetime of what we call your life load. I need to see what's the burden you've been carrying, brother, like that you're aware of, or how about the ones that you're not aware of, right? And in order to do that, I look at your tissues. I do my examination like everybody else does. I probably look at areas that most people don't look at, one being your lymphatic system and two, your uh, your abdominal organ system. But I take it back to the human. And usually I'll find my answers of chronic pain going back 10 years or more in somebody's history to what was a possible catalyst. And that comes from a discussion from all the way back to things that you can remember as a kid that most people might not look at because they're like, what the hell is being five years old and having allergies as a kid have any relevance to your fibromyalgia now? And I'm like, well, it's completely relevant because all of these things build up over time. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day with this, like, you know, out of nowhere, you've got all this stuff and it creeps up on you slow. Um, So that's probably the biggest thing that I do right there is I just put the brakes on a little bit. I don't really jump right into a type of therapeutic intervention. I can tell you this myself. I don't do what everybody has already been doing to you because if it was going to work, you wouldn't be standing in front of me. So I know I'm going to go down a different road or a different approach. But when I do introduce a therapy, it's only one or two at a time. It's not a lot. Because if I throw a lot at you at once, how do I know what was the creamy filling? What was the one that really did it? And then I expect a lot to happen from my interventions. If I do my examination and I go and buy what I think is going to be the best for you, I let your results speak for themselves. And I'm looking for you to either get really, really good or get worse or not make a change. So for me, the worst thing that can happen is nothing changes from what I do. That's the worst thing. The best thing is you feel significantly better really fast within a couple of days. The next best thing is that you feel worse in a couple of days because that's change, right? And then sometimes you have to get worse in order to get better based on how your body has to catch up and adapt to things it hasn't been able to do for a long time. And that's tough for some people who have been in chronic pain because when they get worse, they get freaked out. They feel like something has happened or what's wrong. And I'm like, actually, you need to change your mindset on that. <laughs> that it's actually a very good thing, especially with my program, because I, I focus a lot on detoxification of the body and its ability to get rid of toxins and bacteria and viruses and parasites and metabolic waste and all that crap been in your system for decades and when you can finally get rid of that stuff you ain't gonna feel too good in the beginning but it's one of those things like that's a really good i don't feel good type thing that we want to get rid of um and then we just take it from there so if i treat you for instance and i do something and i'll talk about my basics and fundamentals later i'm sure but most of the time i find that if people are struggling in chronic pain or on they've missed somebody's missed a basic or a fundamental somewhere. 
something. Mm-hmm. I, and I have certain ones that I, that I look at. And then I'm going to restore the basics and the fundamentals. If I do that, I'm expecting something to change within that three-day period. Um, if it doesn't, then that really steps back. And I'm like, okay, well, then we went down the complete wrong way or just got tricked out by the body and we got to change something else. Because if you give the body what it wants, it'll tell you quick, fast, and hurry if you got it right. If you don't give it what it wants, it tells you that too. So I expect big changes. I don't believe in this three times a week for four weeks and let's see if you get better kind of crap at all. Right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying I disagree with it. And I have a slogan when I see people that's called feel better in four or schedule no more. What that means is this. If you don't feel better in some way, shape or form that starts to stick like then uh, I can't help you. I already know that what I'm doing or how I'm looking at the body is probably not for you or even I might be missing something and I'm going to bring somebody else in or I'm going to send you someplace else to get a look at it Um, because I always change things up. I never do the same thing twice unless I get a really, really super response. But even then I don't do things twice because I have to adapt what I do based on how you changed what we did the first time. Does that make sense? No, it does. Absolutely. Um, and that, that's, that seems like a, uh, a very prudent approach. And, and uh, I, I love the, the, the integrity that you, you're demonstrating in terms of um, taking one step at a time. Um, and, and so what, what would an intervention look like um, for, for someone like, like this that comes to you? Well, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes we get, pip, I get people better <clears throat> or you get better. Not from what you start doing, but from what you stop doing. So what I do is I ask them to tell me about what they're currently doing now in relationship to their uh, intervention for exercises or supplements or medications or anything like that. Because I find some, most often it's just too much that they're doing. We think more is better and better is better. So I usually will most of the time have people stop doing something or back off on something. And then uh, I'll usually give them one or two things to do. And they're they're usually very surprised by that because they're like, that's it? That's all you want me to do? And I'm like, yes. One, because I think there's just too much coming at the body and the nervous system can't actually handle what's coming at it. Right? Pardon me. Which means that I'm throwing a lot of stuff at the nervous system, but it doesn't mean it's learning anything. Because you can do something, but it doesn't mean it's sticking. And that's because it's just an overload of what we call, it's, it's a, um, a high threshold that just breaks through the ability for your nervous system or your body to adapt and to learn something. We gotta go what we call a sub-threshold. Slower and lower and less threatening, we call that, to, to the nervous system. And uh, that's also how you establish a habit change, right? Because I have to remove what I call as much friction associated with establishing a new habit as I can, because if I make it hard, if I make it difficult, if I make it too much, that's too much friction and you'll quit. And I have to do like a basic and a fundamental. Um, And then if I give you one or two of those to do, um, like for instance, I'll just give you one. Most people don't drink enough water, right? And then they drink too much uh, crap stuff, coffee, sodas, or they don't drink at all. And then uh, I say, I want you to drink more water, but I don't even say drink plain water because there's no place in your body where you have 100% pure water. 
doesn't exist. There's always something else in the water. So you don't actually hydrate very well <clears throat> by drinking plain water. Because just because you drink water doesn't mean you're absorbing it. It's the same thing with nutrients. Just because you can eat something doesn't mean that you're actually absorbing it. So then I usually have them structure the water, which means I want them to put something in it, right? Like, like I want you to put like a little piece of fruit in it. I want you to put a little bit of lemon in it. I want you to put a little bit of Himalayan sea salt or pink salt in it because salt, that type of salt is really, really important to your body chemistry, not table salt. Um, or you put some type of vegetable in it, right? So that's what we call structure of the water, which means it changes how the, the water bonds connect to each other, the phases of water that it's in. And then it'll cross the cellular membrane way easier. And then you'll actually become hydrated. And then when you're dehydrated, well, you're not going to heal for anything because your body is uh, basically dying slowly because it's not getting enough water. Right. And that's a really simple fundamental that you have to ask and just change that little simple fundamental about what you add to the water. And then people come back to me and they say, that's crazy, man. I can't even tell you like how much more energy I have or how much better I feel just from doing that. And it'll be something as simple as I don't want you to drink. I'm not going to say drink seven, eight waters, uh, seven to eight glasses of water a day because I know that probably ain't gonna happen. I'll just say, can you do one a day or can you do one more than you're doing now and add that stuff to it? And honestly, I better get one answer. It should be yes. <laughs> if I don't get yes from that, well, you're probably not gonna get well because you're not committed enough to get well. And then you're gonna be a person who's not successful. And then you're gonna blame me because you didn't make it to where you wanted to. Meanwhile, you weren't able to take what I call the LTAS, the little tiny action steps to get yourself well and get yourself better. It might be where you're not ready yet. Maybe you don't have enough pain and suffering yet to change a habit. But that's kind of what I do like that way. I, I see what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I'll usually take away or I'll systemize it, right? Like I'll make a system for you that's a little bit easier for you to follow so you don't feel overloaded. Because here's the dirty little secret. Everything works for somebody and everything that you do could probably make a little bit of a difference, but people are just like hodgepodge throwing everything in and seeing what sticks. But you have to have a certain system. And one of my favorite quotes is, you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems which means that your goal is pain relief. If you're not getting out of pain, I know one thing, you got the wrong system mm. that you're implementing to try to get out of pain or the systems of your body are not working well together. And it's usually both. both. Mm. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah, no, it does make sense. And I think um, I've, I've got, um, a, 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 in my mind, a, that, that's very clear. I think we, and we see uh, clinicians all, all, all levels um, doing exactly what you said, which is just keep adding, 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 adding. And then you get to a situation, someone in my very close um, family um, that, that, you know, that they're at the point now where they've got a lot more understanding than the clinicians they're speaking to. And they're just talking mm -hmm. about more medications, more drugs. And then, and you know, it just gets ridiculous because it, because it's a complete guessing game. Yeah. And plus 
like I said before, I'm not against drugs, but at least Western medicine in our world, they're always looking, the answer that they're looking for to help bring people back from the abyss, the answer always seems to be a drug. Like, that's all that I see that they're going after. Like, they're trying to find a cure for this. First of all, there's no cure for anything because that implies you'll never get it again. There's only management. And that's an important word. Who manages it? Well, you do, right? And then health is a four-letter word. Work. That's what health is, right? So nobody uh, has a right to be healthy at all. I mean, you know, it's a blessing. And then you, if you're born healthy and you're not going to be born healthy, you have to fight to keep it that way. If you're not, you know, then you also have to fight as best you can to keep it that way. But it takes a lot of work. And there's not going to be just one magic pill to help get you healthy. It may be a pill, like you said before, that can take away your pain or your symptoms. But you also have to look at, okay, well, why did my body decide to send me these symptoms in the first place? What is it trying to uh, tell me? So then that's when we said you mix the two together and you have the medication, but you do something else on the side at the same time. You mix the, you mix the two worlds together, which is perfect, right? That's what we want. Yeah, I, 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 I want to dive into kind of what, what you believe are the fundamentals to health in a sec, but I just wanted to, 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 to um, clarify what you're saying and, and get your view in a little bit more detail. So I think uh, fundamentally what, what's at the core of, of health is, is ownership. Um, I think that that's, that's the kind of the, yep. the, the hammer that we need to hit. Um, people don't seem to be, want to be taking the ownership of, of their own health and um, what's what's your view on on kind of the the expert um, layman model or the the, the patient doctor model um, and how you see that fitting? Because uh, you know, in, in my view, it's fundamentally broken in the current like the mainstream health system as I see it. Uh, it just doesn't really fit, and we're always looking to the expert, quote unquote expert, to give us an answer, give us a solution. Yeah. And that, that both, it doesn't work either way, whether you're the patient or whether you're the expert, because you're, you're almost backed into a corner um, where you're kind of, you're having to treat symptoms because they just want an answer. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not easy for physicians either, right? You've got people that come on in that have, have been cultured in a way based on society to say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm at a, I'm, at, I'm in pain and they expect to get some kind of pain medication to get them out of it. And that's okay. And, or they've got a sniffle and then I need an antibiotic, right? And then they just write an antibiotic, which is one of the reasons why stuff is cascading down with all these super bugs and viruses. And I mean, that's a whole other podcast in and of itself, right? So you've got the, the people that want, that want to have this and you have the doctors. But doctor means teacher. That's what the word means, right? So your job is to educate them as well and empower them and then say, yeah, I'll give you this to help you feel a little bit better. Or I'm going to say, no, I'm not giving it to you because you got to remember who's driving the damn bus. It's me, right? Like I'm the one that can describe that stuff. But you also want to educate yourself from different levels too because sometimes um, people are like sitting high up on the mountain in the white coat and you just do whatever the hell they tell you to do. And then sometimes they get it wrong. I mean, you know, at least in the U.S., the, the second cause, the leading cause of death in the U.S. is medical error. So, you know, humans screw up, Right. Even when you do everything right, somebody can screw up based on what they're doing and mixing in together in the buffet bowl of your treatment. But it's interesting. I have people that reach out to me all the time and say, uh, 
Doc, I don't know if I can come to your seminar because I'm not a healthcare professor. And I, you know, I'm like, I've replied back to the same thing. I'm like, are you a human being? And hopefully they're going to say yes to that, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then I say, if you're a human being, you can come to my course because every human being has a right to learn this stuff about their body, uh, to take back control of your health, to learn about your body and not be intimidated by the big words or because you didn't go to school because listen, you should, I mean, because this is you, right? And they can get intimidated by that because sometimes medicine does that on purpose that, you know, uh, you need to have somebody tell you what to do. You can have guidance for instance, but you have to have that ownership or not be afraid to, to do things that you feel uh, is best for you even though somebody else might not, right? And I always tell people, if it makes you feel better, then, you know, keep doing it. Unless it's something that's like, dude, I want you slamming Jack Daniels and the leaves all day, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but something to, uh, of where your lifestyle c comes into play that you can do. But patients are really empowered these days. I mean, they're, they're getting more information these days from the internet, and then it's not always reliable, but I got... I got people in medicine that don't have reliable stuff. You get studies that are 10 years behind that actually come out to where they are, to, to what's being researched, to what's actually out there. There's a big decade gap most of the time that's going on in there. But um, the two worlds definitely need to talk to each other. Like if you can feel disempowered too, when you feel sick or you've got a, an illness, you're vulnerable, right? And you feel scared and you lose hope and sometimes you'll fall into just doing what anybody tells you to do because you just don't want to suffer anymore you don't want to be sick anymore right but you also lose ownership and control and don't be afraid to say no on something it's all about how you choose to motivate someone right i interviewed a doctor the other day on my podcast who was in medicine for many many years especially on the cancer side and he said it's interesting about medicine is that he found the two biggest ways that they motivate people to do anything is through fear and guilt. Wow. And I thought about that for a second <clears throat> and like, yeah, you can motivate somebody to do something big time with fear and guilt, but it's vastly different experience on the back end. Uh, if you motivate them from ownership and empowerment, hmm. right? Completely different. If you think about that for a second, that should be a holy cow. You know, now that you mention it, that's hundred percent right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean that, that's that's really interesting comment. I think the 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 fear aspect, it it's yeah, and, and that's something I come across actually, even at my, my level um, when I'm coaching someone is you you know you kind of pull them in with a hook of if you don't take action, this is what could happen. But ultimately, you know, you need to get them to to a vision of themselves that pulling them forward. You know, the the kind of cracking the whip, uh, you know, it, it gets people off the mark. But I, yeah, I think you know you know, where's the, where's the, where's the longevity and, and the sort of health span? Yeah. And, it, and you kind of, kind of mix both worlds together. I'm going to step and get some water, but, um, you know, it's like the motivational speaker guys from, you know, the eighties, at least, you know, they talk about it now. And Anthony Robbins was my guy and, you know, he did that personal power stuff and he talks about, you've got motivation for things. You've got pain and pleasure, right? Yeah. I mean, both are going to motivate you. But people will do far more to avoid pain than they will to gain pleasure, mm -hmm. right? So pain is the bigger motivator, but it usually doesn't keep you doing something for a long period of time, 
you know, then you have to have that pleasure aspect to it. That's why most people quit exercising in four weeks come New Year's or they'll do a habit because they have this pain associated. Well, I better do something because I'm tired of looking like this or whatever, but it uh, gets them motivated. <clears throat> but usually there's so much pain associated with continuing that habit that they end up quitting. So you have to have that pleasure aspect of it too. And that goes with rehabilitation. Like if I overload you with too many correctives or too many lifestyle changes and stuff like that, you're probably not going to do them all for very long. And so I need to kind of tiptoe my way into making changes. But the, the more basic and the more fundamental changes you make, the more carryover you have to all the smaller little things like that. So for instance, like I mentioned before, if, if you're not hydrated, then there's a lot of other stuff that I'm going to give you after that that just ain't going to work. Mm -hmm. Like, so that's a big thing to make sure that you're hydrated. If I do that, I'm probably going to wipe away arbitrarily. I'm going to say 50 things that are probably going to take care of themselves because I gave you a fundamental building block of that one. And another one too is very simple. It's just watch what you stick in your mouth, right? Like watch what you eat. Like, okay, I'm not going to say right, I need you to eat this, this, this. I'm just going to, like I said before, it's not what you start doing. It's what you stop doing a lot that helps you get better. I'm going to like, can you stop eating this? Just stop eating this one thing for a week, right? And then I'll say, yeah, I can do that. Then I'll add that with the, can you start the water? So it's like one and one. And if you stop drinking all the soda, you're going to feel a lot better. If you add the water, well, then they're just going to crisscross each other off, right? So it's simple. The body is aching to get well. It's like, dude, I am trying my best to heal you. That's my job. I'm never going to stop fighting for you. I'm never going to stop working in your corner until you die. You just have to give me a little bit of help here. That's it. And he's like, I'll even, I'll take a crumb. Just give me a crumb and I'll give you some fantastic results in the end. I don't need the whole damn cake is what it's telling you. So don't stuff too much in there. Just a little bit. Mm. and then things okay. change um perry uh we've touched on a couple there i'm guessing but let's let's um let's <clears> dive <throat> into what you consider the the fundamentals of health from your perspective what what, what, are the, what, what do you want people well, i already to talked about one which is hydration mm -hmm. right <clears throat> two uh human movement which means uh, i like for people to move more of themselves more often more ways and more environments, what I've termed adaptable movement. All that, all those things means is I just want you to move differently, right? Because if you're not moving now, and if you move at all, that's different. And I just want you to experiment with different environments. And the easiest way that I can get people to move is I just have this term that I call inconvenient movement. I want you to do more inconvenient movement. What that means is this. <clears throat> it's really easy for me to just sit down and do a chair and lean back against the chair and it takes zero effort for me to do it and it's really convenient. Mm -hmm. But it's really inconvenient for me to sit without support on my back because I've got to control my back. Or it's probably inconvenient for me to sit uh, on the floor and it's probably a little bit weird all the more reason to do it. So 
it's more convenient for me to take the elevator as opposed to the stairs, right? More convenient for me to park right next to the store than it is to park at the end and walk. So these lifestyle of convenience, holy cow, I gotta do, I mean, <clears throat> I just tip my finger on here and swipe right and I can get my food delivered to my door. I don't have to do anything. Then you'll naturally want to do that, right? So if you practice inconvenient movement, you'll start to have those little movement breaks in between and it'll make a huge, huge difference. And the other one is basically just to get outside a little bit more, like spend time in nature. Cause I firmly believe that the further you get away from nature, the more lost you become, right? Uh, have more of your body touching natural things, feet on grass, hands on trees, you know, all sorts of different things like that because there's healing in nature. That's a really big one. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on about fundamentals, but they're kind of lifestyle ones. Another big one is this. Um, most people don't get enough minerals in their nutrition program because they may eat healthy, but the soil that we have, at least around the U.S., sucks. And you're not getting the nutrients that are in food that used to be there. Uh, and then they're sprayed with all sorts of chemicals and preservatives. And by the time they get to you, they probably got zero nutritional value, even though they look beautiful. Um, so you don't have enough minerals in your nutrition program. And that's big because if you don't have enough minerals, then the enzymes that you have in your body won't work. Enzymes need minerals. So if you're missing a mineral, then enzymes won't work. And if enzymes don't work, then you can't go through the cellular process of what they call the Krebs cycle. So you can make energy enough ATP so you don't feel like crap. And then you can heal. So I tell people, just take some basic fundamental minerals. And then you're going to be, that's, they always say to me, I, like, I feel so much better just from taking the minerals. And why? Because you gave your cells the fundamental grocery list that they need to be able to heal and regenerate because that's what they're trying to do. But they just can't because they're like, dude, if you throw me some molybdenum my way or, you know, a little bit of iron or this, I can do what you want me to do. But without it, I'm just going to hang here. just going to chill till you send them my way. And then all of a sudden everything else kickstarts and then you've got like 15 downstream issues that end up improving. So that's one of the biggest things that anybody who comes to see me in chronic pain, that's the number one thing I tell them to do, mm -hmm. to, take, to take minerals without question. Because I know, here's the thing. I make it very, very simple. I know you wouldn't be standing in front of me asking me for help if you didn't have a mineral problem. Because you got chronic pain, you got an autoimmune disease. Why do you have chronic pain and autoimmune disease? Because your cells can't heal and they can't regenerate. Or you're going back to an environment that's toxic that's causing you to stay sick. So you can't get well in the same environment you became ill with then. So I have to change your environment that you're living in because Maybe if you did have all the nutrients that you needed, which is unlikely, you're going back to something that's toxic that keeps breaking you down and you don't have the strength to counteract that because it's just too much. So you have to do both.
that makes sense it does it does perry um yeah i'm loving i'm loving your work and and uh, you know this conversation is reinforcing my my sort of opinion of, of 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 how highly i regard um everything that you're doing to be honest um it's really good um and so from a from a to change change tangent slightly so from a from a coaching perspective i know um i was i was looking into some of your uh, content in prep for this and and you kind of um you you do lots of practitioner bits and pieces in in bringing guys guys up to 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 sort of elevate their their practice and um what's your view on um what's going on in the coaching space uh, i know you've got a background in strength as well um that's that's mm-hmm. kind of you think is great as a development or and some aspects that you think people aren't quite getting right when they're approaching a coaching model yeah um good question First of all, I want to apologize for anybody's listening if I'm clearing my throat a lot. One of the problems that I have is because I had thyroid cancer about 15 years ago. <clears throat> I have about one third of the lymph nodes in my neck were removed at the same time. So sometimes I get bouts of a lot of drip that comes down my throat. So I apologize if it's coming across that way. Sometimes I just can't control it. <clears throat> um, it's better now with some water. Mm-hmm. That, that's another reason why I got into lymphatic work because of my own uh, thing in the past but i think everybody needs a coach right even coaches need coaching and I, I think one of the things that i love about that is it can help hold people accountable you can give them the support that they need and i think coaching today at least in the fitness world is unbelievable i, I mean i have coaches that know more than a lot of healthcare providers on things sometimes i think they may go like crossing the line sometimes and stuff that they're doing um but I uh, also think that it can be a good thing because otherwise their clients that they have might not have been exposed to it. And I do see coaches that are communicating more than ever with the medical world. And I think the medical world is doing that as well. It's changed a lot since I started, man. I started bodybuilding and working out in 1980. So that's a while ago. And it, it was vastly different then as, as to the way it is, uh, the way it is now. Um, so I think it's really wonderful that way. But I think it could also be something where um, people can be overcoaching. That's probably the biggest thing that I see is people can be overcoached and uh, coaches end up, and see if I'm watching through correctives or something like that, they're giving them too many things that they want them to change or to do or to focus on. And I think the coaches are trying to be helpful, which is great, but sometimes it's just too much for the person. It's like too much sensory overload verbal overload but part of being a coach is to empower somebody so they eventually don't need a coach right or need very little of the coach to 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 help them do what they're trying to do Uh, so that's probably one of the biggest things that i see is is over coaching on things and which can be actually very distant that's like being a helicopter parent i'm not going to do you any good if i don't let you uh walk into the deep end of the pool so one of the things that I usually tell coaches this, and I tell all the people that I train for clinical stuff, and I learned this from Thomas Myers, who teaches the anatomy trained stuff for fascial work. And he said, you may have a lot of stuff on your list that is not right or quote unquote wrong with the person. And I hate that word anyway, because I don't think there's anything wrong with them. I think the stuff is maybe different. All right. Um, and I don't want you to mention any of those things until you can tell them three things first. That's super awesome. What they got right. Right. And that's a really empowering thing to say because they're going to latch onto that big time. Right. Cause we're so focused sometimes and going after and trying to fix what's wrong 
as opposed to appraising what's right. We even do that with our kids all the damn time. So it's no wonder that you program that way when you're an adult because you got spoon-fed crap since you were younger on uh, you know what's not right about you as opposed to what's unique and different, right? Um, so I think that from looking at that standpoint, I'd say that's probably the biggest thing. And I do think that everybody, like I said before, needs a coach, even people that are like at the top of their game. Cause I was sick for me and I was trying to do it myself and I couldn't get well because I couldn't have an objective view about myself. And then I brought a coach in to help me from the healthcare side, but I also have a coach that helps me get a hold of my mental side, right? That, that can, maybe have me look at something a little bit of a different way or give me the kick in the ass when I need it. <laughs> yeah. Right. That, that type of motivation. So I hope that answers your question. No, it does. Um, yeah, it does. I, I think uh, I agree with you. I think everyone um, can benefit from, from having a coach. Um, and it's, it's an interesting one because I've, I've gone headlong down the, the kind of diving into the clinical aspects of stuff and, and, and the physiology and, and the kind of like that, like we were saying about the expert model. And it's, it's really easy as, as when you're, when you're coaching someone to, to kind of just go hard and, and really dive into the detail and give them loads of cues and trying to get them um, doing lots of different things at once and kind of jumping ahead um, of where, where you need to be. Uh, where that person needs to be and that's why i've spent i spent a lot of time um now kind of peeling everything back to the to, to the simplest form and, and thinking mm -hmm. a lot about uh kind of that level zero to level one okay we'll start with one step but like what you were saying with your practices let's start with one thing let's embed that let's start with another thing let's embed that and and fundamentally um you know it's not the it's not the, the tweak to the to the deadlift that's going to give them health and happiness it's it's them understanding how to change a habit and a behavior and move through their own path and their own journey yeah well see then one thing too is you you have this the more you learn it's called the curse of knowledge if you ever heard of that the the more you learn and see the world you have a tendency to think that everybody sees it the same way and what is very simple for you one somebody can't even conceptualize or visualize in their own brain so they have no freaking idea what you're talking about even though they'll say they know what you're talking about and, you know, you go through far too many complicated details that you actually think are very simple. But there, there's a lot for somebody. Because right? most people honestly don't give a crap. Like, if they tell them 90% of the stuff, they probably don't care about most of them. So even though they're trying to establish, they're trying to see what does it matter for me? We're, uh, human beings are meaning, um, meaning creatures. We need to have meaning behind everything, why we're doing it, why we're doing it. Not just what we're doing. We don't really care about the what. We want the meaning behind it. And one of my uh, coaches in the past, Dan John, told me that um, people don't realize how difficult it is to make something simple. So if you're a really great coach or a really great doctor or a really good educator, you can make something really damn simple because you kicked your ass trying to make it appear that way. Um, even though it's a complicated subject, because it's really easy to make a complicated subject complicated. Mm. And it's like, I think it was Einstein said, you don't know squat. I mean, he didn't say squat. He said a little more eloquently than me. He said, you don't know squat if you can't explain it to a five-year-old or some people say six, but you get the idea, right? Mm. And then that means that you understand the material and you can explain it to someone. And I think that's another part of coaching is that you need to really step back and, 
work on delivering your ideas. One, having a system, like I said um, before, right? But, but choosing your words carefully and uh, being relatable to a person. Because you'll sometimes realize that, dude, this sometimes it's not even your skill set that is the success for these people. It's the connection that you make, right? The, uh, of that human level. That all, that's what coaching really is, right? Because honestly, I could go to Google and learn coaching shit all by myself. But what I want to have is uh, somebody that I can connect with. So that's a deep-seated human need uh, connection, right? So we need to have – here's a very important thing I learned about healing. The brain needs to have safety first. You need to feel safe. And that comes from a safe environment, but also being around somebody that you actually like, right? Feeling safe. Once you feel safe, then you can establish a connection. You can't establish a connection where you accept the other person for who they are. You accept who you for who you are, and you can't get to a point of acceptance without the other first two things, right? <clears throat> so that's a tier that I go through in my work. Is that I'm trying to connect with my client, but I can't connect with them if they don't feel they're in an environment of feeling safe first, and that comes from how I talk to them my environment of my office how i dress even the it, just the environment in general of how they sense the world um it can make a huge difference on whether somebody's going to get well or not and then when you learn to read people you can tell right away when somebody feels safe or not or they don't feel safe or not it's a it's something that every human is born with you have an innate that means inborn ability it's actually creep, creepy precise of uh, spotting uh, body motions and facial gestures in another human. You, remember, you can spot right away whether somebody doesn't like you or whether they do like you or they're non-threatening. Like, you are programmed to see a couple things. One, any type of change in movement, quick, fast, and in a hurry. Like, if you're in the woods, you notice shit fast. Because if you don't, you're dead. And it's the same thing with reading another human being. So you have to be present to do that. You have to really be with the human. And I'm not trying to go through my checklist of my orthopedic tests and I'm asking you about your past history. I'm asking, but when I do, I am watching everything of how you interact with me. And I can tell right away. It's very interesting. I can ask you a question. And I can automatically tell whether that question makes you feel vulnerable and threatened based on your reaction. And when I do that, I already know I found a clinical pearl that's standing in your way on getting well. Wow, that is wisdom right there, Perry. I really appreciate um, that answer to my question. I think it's it, it, it's an awesome um it's an awesome place to kind of wrap up our conversation actually i've got a long list yeah. of things that i'd like to ask you around kind of lymphatic um the lymphatic system the vagus mm. and that sort of stuff but yeah to be honest i think you know 
uh, that the, the, we've we've covered so much ground, um, and I just want to acknowledge you for the for the work you've done and and the work you are doing and 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 your your general approach um, and and how you're you're willing to um, put messages out into the world that you, you know are going to be polarizing. I think that takes strength. Um, so I just want to acknowledge that and say thank you very much um, from the bottom of my heart. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that, and it was a really great time on the the show you know i mean i always <clears throat> try to remember when i'm posting anything up the great quote from gandhi right he said you know be the change that you want to see in the world right and i think people can be that change very simple it's just be yourself be you uh to, and bring that to whatever you're bringing out into the world because that's the biggest way you're going to make a change because there's nobody else like you mm. you're very unique and you know that's what i try to do with any of my posts to, to put on out is that when I, you see a post that's really who i am that that's really me right and uh so sometimes stuff will be polarizing but you know you sometimes you got to stir stuff up you want to you got to murk the water because if everybody likes what you're doing you're not making an impact really anywhere you're just vanilla right you got to be a little rocky road action right? <laughs> <laughs> i agree i agree brother i think uh, yeah i think you know you, you need to, if you want to impact people and change people's lives then you've got to tell some truths and, and yeah you just and, be kind when you do it right i mean you just be like i, I was telling somebody before like just the very act of being uh, kind when you do something and how you put it out there makes a huge difference there's different ways you can polarize people for sure. And uh, I think coming from a place of kindness is vastly different than coming from the other place. For sure. Yeah. Perry, how do you want people to find you, interact with you? Um, you know, what's, what's a parting message uh, you want to kind of wrap this up with? Yeah. Well, finding me is not really difficult. Uh, I'm kind of uh, a little addicted to social media in a way. If you follow me, you know that. If you type in stop chasing pain, those three words, stop chasing pain you'll find my website, which will branch you out to anything you ever wanted to know about that and stuff I've been doing for, well, since the internet was up, because <laughs> I was around when it actually started to come on up, right? But uh, it's, it's not difficult to find anything. If you want to reach me, that's probably the easiest way is through my website. The one place I spend most of my time is on Instagram. I think that's the place. So stop chasing pain on Instagram. You can find stuff uh, there as well. But uh, that's about it. Yeah. But I had a good time, man. Thanks for having me on the show. It was great. Cool. Awesome. Thank you very much, Perry. Um, I really appreciate chatting to you. And I will post this out probably in the next few days if I get some time to edit it. Um, but okay. I, I really appreciate it. And I saw um, that you're coming to London in November. Yeah. Um, right before Thanksgiving, I'm coming out there for my two-day functional health and movement course. That's for autoimmune and chronic disease pain patients. I'm really excited to, to say that I'll have my brand new uh, inflammation supplement line available so people can do that then. And then I'm having a one-day intensive hands-on lymphatic uh, system workshop out there as well. Both of wow. those, you can get information on the website, stopchasingpain.com. Hope that if you're there, brother, you stop on by, you say hi. 
Ladies and gents, there we are, another episode in the bag. Hopefully you enjoyed that one. Thank you very much for listening uh, through and um, getting a full appreciation of what Perry's about and the amazing work that he's up to um, and hopefully taking away some nuggets there so you can implement in your own life and and uh, kind of investigate further as to what's going on and, and, and change the, the paradigm, the lens that you see life through, um, which I think is always really, really important. We need to be always thinking about how we're going to shift that and move towards a happier, healthier, stronger existence. Um, that is all from me if you liked the episode I would love a review on iTunes or whatever app you use um, to listen to the podcast and you can follow me at The Knock that's T-H-E-N-O-Q if you're not already on Instagram, Facebook whatever you want um, get in contact I'm always loving uh, the feedback and really interested to know how you found the episode and what's going on with you specifically Um, thank you very much see you next time